What is up, everybody? Jameson Tank here for another episode of the Jameson on the Rocks podcast. Today, I am not going to do a solo episode. I don't usually do these. I'm honestly honestly not a huge fan, but for the style of episode that this requires, um, I'm running it back. Um, this is kind of kind of be based off the episode I did. I'm not sure which number it is, somewhere in the 30s. Um, how I booked my band's first tour. Apparently, a uh, a ton of you listened to that and hit me up about doing another one. I've had so many band friends message me this week after we announced our third tour, um, the Tankover tour for my band, Jameson Tank. Um, so many people hit me up saying, hey, man, how are you, how are you booking these? You, you know what to do here, this stuff, stuff, stuff. Can you let me know? And I think the easiest way to do that is just to make these kind of videos very informative, uh, I guess more serious than the usual podcast, but uh, I, I like doing these. I hope you guys enjoy this kind of stuff. Um, let's kind of get into it. If you haven't already watched the first one, which is how I booked my band's first tour, honestly, probably not a bad idea to watch it before this. I'm going to tag it up here for you. Um, it'll kind of give you some of the broad strokes on like how to set up your emails, who to reach out to, that kind of stuff. That being said, I didn't watch it back because I just don't want to hear it right now. And if I do have some things wrong in there, I just don't want to know because it felt good when I made it. That's where I was. But I'm sure coming up on my third tour now, I've learned so much stuff, just unbelievable amount of stuff booking all the shows for my band. And uh, I think it's good for everybody to at least learn and then pass it off to somebody because you kind of have a new appreciation for it when you're, when you're spending all the hours on it. But anyways, if you want to check out the first one, I'll tag a link up here. You guys should definitely listen to that. If you're just getting started, if you haven't booked any shows, that kind of stuff would be probably a better watch. This one's going to be a little bit more specialized, kind of niche content for those bands that are getting going, per se. But still still relevant if you're a brand new band. So yeah. Uh, before we get started, I want to thank our show sponsor. Today's show sponsor is Clear Mountain Entertainment and the Classic City Jam right here in Athens, Georgia on August 27th, the first Saturday of the semester, one of the best dates of the year to be in Athens. Uh, tickets are $10. The full lineup I have written here, it's, it's huge and it's great. I have one, The Angelics, two, Florida Man, three, Convince the Kid, four, Red Mile Road, five, 80 Blanco, and six, Wim Tapley. I believe in that order. Uh, what a lineup, man. Literally six of the best bands in town. Maybe the best six, you know. Um, tickets are only $10. It's at Paloma Park. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, Claremont Entertainment is also just a company you should reach out to if you're interested in booking. They're honestly another just great, like they've been doing a great job getting bands booked in town. I noticed they've uh, really been doing a good job, Garrett especially, um, taking bands like the Angelics, taking bands like Recess Party and Wim and Red Mile Road and just getting them great gigs. Like uh, they're, they're really kind of running the booking side of town uh, for, for public, if that makes sense. So they would be a great resource to reach out to if you need some sort of booking for your band. But yeah, anyways, shout out to Cloud City Jam. Get your tickets. I'm going to put those in the bio as well. All right, so let's kind of knock into this thing. On the last one I did, I really had like a full plan on what I was going to say. This one, I just like took some notes because this this stuff is like heavy on my mind right now because we just announced our third tour, the Tankover tour. Um, and it's honestly, it's it was the toughest tour for me to book because our, not to, I hate to say demand, but our, our tier for what we can play has increased since the, even the last tour. Like, um, there's a certain stature when you're going into your first tour that you literally should be down to take just about anything almost. Like, if it gets you into a new market, if it's almost no money, if it's no money sometimes, but it gets you somewhere new, it gets you in front of people, um, then you should be doing it kind of. So that would have been our first tour, which was the two out to hold tour. We literally played some places for like 
$100, you know, we play places, uh, having to bring our PA, making 100 bucks, stuff like that. Uh, we probably played Loose Change like fucking seven times on their first tour uh, in Clemson. Uh, just anywhere we could play. If we had a Thursday, Friday, Saturday open, we wanted to be playing, which is great. It's perfect. It's what you should be doing as your band because starting bands, excuse me, because gigs gets more gigs. That's the grind you should be putting in. And um, it's honestly panned out for us really well getting us to this third tour. This tour it was tougher to book because we have more demand and we had to be getting a certain amount of money at this point to the extent of we can't just drive six hours and play for a hundred bucks anymore. Like that doesn't make sense for us as a unit actually trying to make money doing this. You know, um, we've, we've planted our roots in a lot of markets and we have demand in those markets where we can make, you know, uh, four figures or whatever, um, and private events and stuff. So that was what was interesting. Big learning experience for me on this third tour, um, booking, but I guess what I'm saying is, if it's your first tour, take gigs. Play wherever you can. Play the shittiest places. Play for 12 bucks. Play for 100 bucks. Play for $300. Play whatever. Um, know the difference between when you should be getting money and not, I guess. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't suggest playing any fraternities for free, if you get what I mean. Any Greek life stuff, that should literally never be free. Unless, I mean, if you knew it was going to get you another one paid, it'd be worth it. But uh, maybe going to play some ticketed venue in a city you've never been to and knowing that you're going to sell five tickets probably uh, for your own and hope the other two bands sell 30 each and you coming out of there with, with $62 is not a bad play to get you in a new market. Uh, because also, as I mentioned in the other one, the best way to get venues in a certain city to book you is to play other venues in that city per se. Like if you already have a track record, like if you have no track record there, they have no reason to book you. You're not going to bring anybody, that sort of stuff. But you're like, oh, hey, I played your venue next door twice, and here's a video, and it's packed. Uh, that's incentive, you know. That gives the venue reasoning uh, to book you. So I'd say any. we've done plenty of stuff. Like we did Tuscaloosa, and I think the first night we made $300, and then it got us into the next time we were there. We literally made like almost two grand at a venue, which is pretty rare, don't get me wrong, uh, for a public, non-ticketed thing. Um, but... That's what I'm saying is we were willing to play the one for 300 to get us to the bigger one, get us in front of stuff. And, I mean, off of that, I mean, the gigs kind of spitball, if that makes sense. Like, it gives you a whole pitch when you have enough gigs where it's like, wow, these guys are playing a lot. Like, if all these venues are booking them, these guys must be good. There's kind of like a, a given, like, all right, these guys aren't just playing once a weekend. Like, these guys are playing three shows a weekend for the next four months, like... Uh, yeah, they're good, you know, or at least, a, you know, not necessarily. Uh, but I think it kind of gives that persona. And that's often one of my pitching points is, hey, we're, we're fucking playing everywhere. Everywhere is booking us. You should book us too, kind of. So, yeah, I would think that would be good advice. I would think off of that, um, off the videos to send to venues, I still think this is an area that people are missing out on or not missing on, but just not capitalizing on to be the right word. Um, in the beginning, I mean, film anything you can. If you can get literally your mom who's there to turn her iPhone sideways and film two songs, like that's huge. Like put that on YouTube and send it to venues if it looks good, especially if there's people there because that's what they want to see. You can talk all the talk you want to talk like, oh, we're great, man. We know four hours of material. Yada, yada, yada. Crowds love us. You should have seen this the other week. Like they don't give a fuck. They hear that from every band that messages them. Film it and send it to them. Tag every video you have at the bottom of your email. That's what they want to see. We've got a video from 
uh, Blue Room in Statesboro. Probably the, probably the best venue we played other than Georgia Theater. And um, it was, it was, I think it was, it's one of those places that gets packed no matter what band's there, so that you don't really have a pitch for them. But anyways, there was like probably 900-ish people there before we even started playing, I believe was the door count. And we've got this great video, which of course, it was a good call. We, we spent almost all we made that night on getting it filmed because I knew it'd be worth it. And I've got this one video and it's literally just like packed, like there's crowd everywhere. It's a bunch of crowd shots. We're barely in it. And that's the video that I send to venues and almost always, not always, but uh, almost always they'll be like, wow, that looks electric. They'll be like, whoa. They'll be like, dang, dude, that video is crazy. That's the energy we need here, you know. So there's something to be said about investing in a good video if you know you've got a big crowd in front of us that needs to be filmed, you know. Uh, and I think video is always better than picture. Like you can have a picture of you in front of a big crowd. I'm sure that's better than nothing. But if you can get a video of you and they can actually hear you and hear the crowd, like that's that's going to do wonders for you. And I think a lot of bands miss on this, like playing big shows, like like headlining 40 Watt Club or uh, headlining Paloma Park after a game and like just not filming it. It's like, what are you doing? Like, like find find a way to do that. Like even if it costs you some of your profits, like it's an investment long term to have things filmed and um oh excuse me there it doesn't have to be nice footage it can be literally i bought a gopro on our first tour for 75 dollars on like facebook marketplace i think and it's literally like i don't care about it because it was 75 dollars you know so i give it to people in the crowd and they will i literally handed it to people and they filmed whole shows for us my buddy hutch filmed a whole boar's head show for us i cut up every song and put it all on the internet on YouTube, and I tag, I send the whole video to Vinny. So I'm like, hey, here's a, here's a whole set if you want to see that, you know? Um, like, give them evidence that you're not faking it, you know? Um, and I think the GoPro thing is a good advice. Go on Facebook Marketplace, find your GoPro, hand it to people in the crowd. They literally want to be in your videos. They'll, they'll message you the next day going, hey, can I see that video that I was in? Hey, can you tag me in that, you know? I think that's a really good sleeper uh, thing that nobody's doing, except for, I'm sure people are doing it, but, uh, when you can't, like, say you're in Charlotte, you can't afford to bring a film guy with you. You can automatically film your show by handing it to somebody in the crowd that's having a great time, and they'll film, you know, a minute or 20 minutes. You never know. So, yeah. Um, any way that you can get your shows documented is huge. I It sucked, too, because the, the first two tours, we are not making much money already, you know. And it was like the margins were already small, and I was like, hey, dude, we got we to gotta spend this 200 bucks here and get somebody to come film this so we can get more gigs from it, you know. And that's that's like a tough decision to make when you're making fifty dollars each weekend or whatever you know two hundred one hundred, and uh, but it ends up being worth it. Like especially like I filmed, I specifically made it a point to film tailgates and Greek events because I knew that if I posted it, the people that were there, if they see themselves, they're gonna share it. Other they're friends with other fraternity people, they're gonna see it. They're gonna be like, who's this band that's playing all these tailgates? Why would we not, like, like let's hit them up, you know? Like, it just kind of spitballs into, like, the content is so much more key than people think. I know people rebel against it, like, uh, I want to, I just want to make music. I just got in this to make music. Well, you're going to have a tough time making music if you don't, you know? Some bands can get away with it. Some bands are really good at putting out nothing, and their music is just so good that uh, they don't need it. But I will say it's a harder, or a bigger path of resistance at this point, I think. And it's not a new thing. I know everybody thinks it's like, oh, I got to make this content. Fuck. Like, literally since the 80s, like, if you weren't on MTV, you weren't killing it. If you weren't going in and doing interviews, you weren't killing it. Like, 
MTV was almost more important than the song back then. You know, that's the same thing as content today, social media. It's, it's just the MTV of the 80s is social media in 2020. Two, excuse me. What is it, 2022? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> but yeah, all right. I've been rambling for a while, I think. But I think this is all important knowledge. Um, I had a buddy ask me today, actually, uh, how I would get in. How He was just asking how to get in touch with venues. I think this is another problem that people make. Is they just don't reach out. They just assume that the venue is too big to book them, or they assume, you know, that um, it just wouldn't pan out, you know. And they're like, "Hey, how do you find all these emails and shit?" And literally, like, it's all out there. I mean, you got to do some digging, of course. But uh, I mean, my go-to is go to their Instagram, click DM, and say, "Hey, um, hi. I was wondering if you could send me over your booking contacts number or email. Thanks. Any help would be appreciated." And usually they do. I'd say fifty-fifty they do. If not, go over one over to the right and there's the email button on Instagram. Usually if you click it, it says booking at insert venue name, you know, usually or uh, info at booking name or whatever. So, yeah, like literally just like you're going to have to do some research, you know what I mean? Like get on that bitch and start <laughs> start looking people up, you know, like uh, there's no universal list. Any on the moves, great and all, but still like if their emails on there, they're getting hit up by tons of bands and you're going to have to be individual and, and make it worth their time. Um same with bands tour graphics. I do this a lot. I have no shame in this. Uh, go look at the band you want to be like that's in the local setting maybe, like maybe the biggest band in your town or the biggest band in Auburn or the biggest band in Alabama or the biggest band in South Carolina, and look at their tour graphic. Look at where they're playing. They always tag it in the comments. I've gotten so many gigs like this. Just go hit them up. Like, all right, you know if this band has been doing it for four years and they're playing here that it's worth doing, you know. Hit them up. See what happens. You know, you know they book bands. You know what kind of book they band, what kind of bands they book. If you can find bands within your niche, look at their tour graphics and hit them up. That's what I'm telling everybody to do. I mean, uh, look at our graphic. If you're in the Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, like literally just hit up the same venues and run it up. Like we can all learn from each other. I think that would be a good way to do it. Uh, I'm gonna pause for a second. Think my second show sponsor, which today is No Athens, a wonderful platform out of right here in Athens, Georgia. They're making some of the best content in town. They put out these lists bi-weekly that have all the shows on in Athens. It'll be a list of literally like 50, 75 shows. And if you're trying to keep up with everything in Athens, I'm talking food, I'm talking shows, I'm talking like where the bar deals are. Go to No Athens, look them up. Great platform out of right here in town. Love them. They've been a great support of the show. Anyways, moving along. All right. So I've covered a few things I wanted to cover, uh, make content for the show, uh, reach out. I mean, that's one of the biggest ones that people just don't do. They'll be like, how are you getting all these? And they're like, I'm just, I'm just reaching out, you know. Um, another thing is kind of knowing when the um, money versus exposure is what I wrote. I don't know if that's quite the right way to put it. Um, so, like, I guess what I'm saying is know when it's okay to not take a lot of money, per se. Like, if you know... Well, there's certain venues that if you know you're getting in front of a big crowd or a bigger crowd than normal, that that will override the fact that you're getting paid pennies. It is sometimes very good to do that. Uh, for example, like probably some of our best shows have paid the absolute least. You know, like you never know if you're going to go in and make a ton of fans. Like there's a difference between making fans and uh, making money, you know, per se. A lot of things we do sometimes just for the money. Nothing wrong with that per se as a band trying to be sustainable. But a lot of times we should do things just for fans, and I think that's kind of getting forgotten. Like um, the bigger my band personally gets, uh, not forgotten, but it's like, oh, we could, you know, like we could go play in front of this big crowd. Uh, 
no, 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 we could go play in front of this small crowd, but they're going to give us 1200 1500 two grand, you know. Uh, let's do that. And, I mean, you kind of have to if you're trying to make money in this game. But at the same time, if we were to make a lot of fans and only make $100, that's probably a better move usually. And um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, so say somebody's trying to put you on a frat show and he's like, dude, it's, it's our biggest event of the year. Like, uh, I know you've never played for us. Uh, can you do this one cheap for the first time and come out and you get in front of this big crowd? Maybe you can make some fans like that would be an argument that on my first and second tour, honestly, even this tour, I would probably accept, you know, like if it gets you in front of a lot of people, it can very frequently be worth it, you know, on the on the outside because they'll all go to different fraternities. They'll be like, we saw this sick band, word of mouth. Hey, I'm in ATO. Do you want to play our place? Hey, I'm in Sigma Chi. Do you want to play our place next? And then you go, oh, OK, well, we'll do it for 2K. We'll do it for 3K. We'll do it for 4K. Uh, I guess kind of proving your worth is what I'm saying. Like, don't be afraid to play something. I call it the first-timers rate or, like, for fraternities, I say the summer rush rate. Don't be afraid to do something for less money than you're worth if it gets you to where you're going. I mean, you're a band in your first, second, third year. Like, you can take some chances financially. You're not. It's different for a band that's been doing it six years. It's absolutely cut their teeth. Uh, it's like, oh, dude, we, we cannot do this for a 1000 because... Uh, we start taking a thousand, we're losing money. We're driving six hours. It's stupid. You know what I mean? So I guess what I'm saying is know when the exposure outrides the money. Um, I think I've done a good job at frequently playing places where the exposure outweighs the money. I think Boar's Head in Athens is one of those for us that like, it feels like we literally built a fan base at Boar's Head playing for absolutely pennies, like the lowest payment on the tour. And I've talked to him about it, and there's pretty much no chance of it going up. And I'm still playing there because I love playing there, and we built a fan base doing it. Like it, it ended up feeling us getting to Georgia Theater, so I'm willing to do that kind of stuff. I think I think most bands should be too, to an extent, of course. And also on the money versus exposure thing, there's a difference between how much work you do. So I guess this would lead more into like covers versus originals, which is still a thought that's on my mind a ton. But um. There's a difference between showing up to a venue and playing a 45-minute set of originals for $125 and showing up to a venue and playing three hours worth of covers, bringing your own PA system for $100. Do you get what I mean? So if, if they're paying you and you have to bring sound, like automatically you're going to have to add some money. You know, like That should be a given, I think, hopefully. Um, if they have sound provided usually means you can knock off a little, you know, because it's taking your workout by a lot. You gotta, you don't have to bring six speakers. You don't have to bring 10 cables. You don't have to bring, you don't have to mic everything up. You're not in charge of it, you know? Um, So I guess what I'm saying is, like, don't get taken advantage of when it comes to bringing a PA. Bringing a PA is, is something you should be paid for, I think. Um, It's so much more work. It's an unbelievable amount of more work. You have to get a U-Haul, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I would just say don't sleep on making sure you get paid when you have to bring sound is what I'm saying. And for fraternities, uh, add add whatever you think. Add 500 if you have to bring sound or whatever because they can provide it. You know, That's one of those things that can provide it. So that's an interesting thing. Um, knowing the difference, like that should uh, gauge how much you're asking. Another thing I would say about asking for money, once you get a little bit of clout per se or like you've road-dogged it, like we played 85 shows in our first year, like we've proven that we, we're doing this thing, you know, um, Knowing that know how much knowing how much to ask for is huge. Like, if you never raise your rate, like you'll just 
system. No one's going to raise it for you. Like if, if a fraternity has a budget of 3000 and you go, Hey man, I will do it for grand. Like they will never go, but Oh dude, we've got 3000. They'll be like, yeah, we're getting this band for a steal, you know? And they'll tell their buddies, they got you for a thousand, you know, that they should reach out and your rate might never go up. Same thing with bars. I used to be scared to ask for a thousand. I was like, Oh, these bars can't afford that, you know? And now coming into year two, it's like, Oh, they most definitely can. Some of them, you know, uh, more than that. So start high, know your market. Like maybe if you're playing in the absolute middle of nowhere, and there's a few hundred people coming through, maybe 1500 isn't the best to ask per se. But if you're playing in Buckhead, Atlanta at a rich bar with rich clientele, 1500, 2000 might be extremely fair for them, you know, and you'll never know. I mean, ask for a lot and let them bring you down. Like if they don't respond to your offer, Give them two weeks and be like, hey, man, uh, I just want to check in, see what you guys, was this kind of in the budget? If not, we could probably do minus 300 or whatever, you know, and kind of try to work with them, make them think they're getting a deal as big. Uh, Greek life is a lot different. People are always asking me advice on Greek life. I don't feel like I've mastered it at all quite yet because you need to know the difference between when a fraternity wants you and when a fraternity wants a band because if they're hitting you up, Four days before the event, they probably just need a band, you know, and they're probably wanting to pay a grand, you know, uh, very depending, you know, on that, you know, fraternities are what, what I'm saying is fraternities are all so different that I'm even yet to get a gauge on how much to ask for most events. Uh, my price varies within the thousands, you know, on how much to ask Greek life, uh, sororities, completely different ballpark. They don't have a social chair, I believe. They look bands up on the internet that they like on Instagram and they hit them up. And I think from what I've read is that sororities have four times as many members as fraternities. So always ask for more at sororities, I know is a rule. So, But anyways, I don't want to get into the Greek light thing too hard because it's so hard to get them. And um, you got to reach out, but you also really the only way to get Greek life stuff is to build a demand for yourself public. Like play public and you'll meet Greek life people. Probably not as many as you'd like. But uh, you will meet Greek life people. I think 80% of the Greek life gifts, great Greek life gigs we have gotten have been, they saw us in person. So, hey, you should come play our fraternity, you know, or sorority, whatever. And um, that's an interesting thing about our last tour that I didn't like. So we were booked solid for the spring semester, which would have been the uh, Build Different tour, which was a great time, by the way. Fantastic. Um, but we were booked solid far out. And I didn't like that because as the semester started, we getting we were getting these last-minute Greek offers for significantly more money than we were getting private. I mean, public, excuse me. So, like, we'd be booked at a bar for $600 or whatever on a Friday. And then two weeks out, uh, Sigma Chi UGA would hit us up. Be like, hey, dude, can you guys play Friday? And uh, I'd be like, yeah, what's the budget? He'd be like, 2500 you know? It's like, well, fuck. Like, we morally, I shouldn't cancel on this venue but also, this venue probably doesn't give a fuck about me, and we can make tw we can make four x, five x what we're gonna make. Uh, so that kind of makes it a tough decision, but it makes it even tougher when you're on the bill with three bands, or you you've had something booked for four months, and then two weeks out you get hit up by a Greek life person. It's like, oh man, I wish I could do that, you know. Uh, I mean, that's just a money thing. Like the venues, this is another thing I'd like to know. Mostly, I can't say this about all venues, uh, and I mean no disrespect to any venues I do play. Most of them really don't give a fuck about you. You know what I mean? Like there's there's always a new band coming in that they're excited about, and they're like if you just stop playing, they're they're not counting on you as much as you think. Like I used to think that like I owed these bars something because they're putting us on. You know, um, 
like, oh, they've been great to us, but like, have they really, you know what I mean? Like you don't, they don't need you as much as you think, you know, there's always another band that can bring in, uh, they're simply using you, utilizing you in the best way they can, which is smart for them, you know, um, gets people in the door, that kind of stuff. Uh, I would say that was another thing I learned this tour, especially as uh don't let venues kind of push you around. Don't feel like you owe venues anything. Like I used to think like, Oh, these venues just give us a shot. That would be it. You know? And then they gave us a shot and it was like, all right, I could see how playing here literally forever is not going to take me where I need to be, which is a huge realization for somebody that wants to do this for a living. You know, is that, uh, Hey, we don't need these venues. Like, there's venues that I would have died to have played last tour that hit me up for this tour. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, like it's, I just know now I know more. I know they don't care. I know the vibe's not right. I know the money's not right. So it's like, we don't need you anymore. But when you're in that first tour era, you do need them. You know, you need to play anywhere you can. So it, it once you change that dynamic on, I don't need these venues. I think that's huge for just everything. Cause it rewires how much you're willing to take for gigs. Like, uh, like the, you know, like it just rewires. There's something to be said about the energy of, of you being to a venue being like, Hey, we'd love to play. We would love to, whatever. We could do it for free. Even if you need to versus yeah, man, if you guys want us to come play, we'll do it. Three hours is 1200 bucks. Sweet. Let me know The the energy of that is so different. Like, um, just knowing what you've got kind of, and that is a byproduct of, being good and putting your hours in like you can't do that until you've put your hours in you know uh road dog that kind of stuff so i'm not quite sure i was going with that but i think that was the point i was trying to get across was the energy of like just knowing how to push yourself once you have some clout like knowing your worth kind of like if a fraternity were to hit me up for tomorrow for six hundred dollars i would there's just i would never fathom that like i would never entertain that at that rate because First off, we play more for, for more than that public almost always now. And second off, it's just I know their budgets are higher than that. I know how much their budget is per party, and that is like bottom tier for that kind of thing. And that being said, though, two tours ago, if a fraternity hit me up for literally four to $800, I was thrilled. You know what I mean? I was, I was ecstatic. I, I would have done it in a heartbeat, you know, which is important just to see the growth, um, if that makes sense. Hold on, let me check this. Ooh, got a gig just texting me right now. I'm excited about that. Okay. Oxford, Mississippi. Oh, that would be awesome. All right, sweet. Sorry. That's a gig right there. I'm stoked about that. Okay. Uh, what was I saying? Yes. Yeah, so what I'm getting at is lost my train of thought. <laughs> that's exciting. Got a good gig. See, like that's, you got to be available too. like, um, like have your ears to the ground, get in group meets, this kind of stuff. Cause gigs lead to more gigs, gigs spitball into more. If you can pitch yourself and say that you have a tour to a venue, it gives them an incentive to want to book you. If that makes sense. Like, Oh, these guys are touring. Like, Oh, we could be on this tour graphic, you know? Oh, we should get this band there. Everybody's booking them. You know, I know I've kind of already said all this stuff, but I'm trying to reiterate that there's a momentum that comes when you have 10 gigs booked versus you being like, hey, can we play? Like, uh, we don't have any gigs right now, but we would love whatever dates you got free. We'll take them, you know. Um, there's a different energy. There's a momentum that comes with it, and it really spitballs into, like, getting these gigs. Like, by the end of the two out to hold tour, as I, as I mentioned earlier, or the Bill Different tour, excuse me, we were getting these offers for sorority stuff and fraternity stuff all in the second half of the tour. 
So in the first half of tour, we had like our three or four fraternities booked, and that was great. But uh, we played all those. We played Georgia Theater. That was huge for us. Uh, and then after that, it was like every week on Monday, we were getting hit up. Hey, can you guys do Friday? Hey, can you guys do Friday? Hey, can you guys do this next Friday? Hey, this is uh, KD. Can you do this at Boarshead? And um, it was like a lot of them panned out, but a lot of them didn't because we were booked at, you know, in Knoxville. We were booked in uh, Columbia. We were booked in wherever. And it's like, oh, we can't cancel this. We've had this booked for months, you know, like we can't just bail on this venue. But certain times, you know, you have to. Certain times you have to. Um, one time we got sick and it kind of panned out that we healed up in time to make the KD thing work. But that's another thing that I thought about along this tour is I purposely left key dates open and they're still open at the moment. So we'll see if this pans out for me. I felt like this was really risky, but if it paid off, it was going to be great. I left key dates open for Greek life stuff as a band that's focused on trying to get more Greek life stuff. That's where the money is. That's where the bigger crowds are. That's where the building a fan base is for us and our kind of music per se. I purposely left key dates open for that. Like if it's a Saturday, we're from Athens, Georgia. If it's a Saturday in Athens with a big home game like Auburn, I do not want to be booked in fucking Charleston or Charlottesville or non-college towns. Uh, if I'm going to be booked, it better be private. It better be in Athens or another college town because I'm fine with that if it's if we're getting paid right. But like knowing what dates to leave open, like first two weeks of the semester, these, these actually might not pan out, so we're going to see. But I purposely left Thursday, Friday, Saturday of the first two weeks of the semester open because I know a lot of Greek people are planning last-minute stuff, events, date nights, tailgates, stuff like that for that. And at the moment, we're coming up on them, and they haven't filled because we had two cancellations, which is unfortunate. But I'm kind of learning, you know, like at least they're there, and at least we're not playing for, you know, $400 somewhere, and we get hit at last minute, and I can't cancel it or whatever. Uh, so that was the strategy, and it kind of works in the way of I didn't put anything in the tour graphic that wasn't super official. If we're not getting that date, I left it open so that Greeks can go look at the calendar, which Greek live people do this, by the way. Uh, they'll go look at your calendar. They'll go look at your website. And be like, oh, he's free on the 17th. Let's get him for that day. Let's get him for that. Let's get him for that game, you know. Um, that was a big realization between tour two and tour three for me was if you were focused on something, like don't just fill your calendar up just to fill your calendar up. Have a reason. Like if it's breaking you to a new market, that's great. Book that, you know. But if you're just going to book a Saturday in a non-college town during the semester, it's like you could potentially lose money that you would have made on that, if that makes sense. So, yeah, also another thing I want to talk about a little bit. That's kind of all I have to say about the Greek life for the moment. But uh, And that's only niche if you're into that. Some people that do all originals are really not into that market unless until they get bigger, which is understandable. Um, another thing I thought about a lot on this tour, I know I greased over it, um, is originals versus covers. And before I knock into this, I want to thank my last show sponsor, which is Clark's Collective, wonderful bar in Athens, Georgia. Speaking of booking, they're booking bands right now. They're getting pretty booked up for fall, so you might want to check with them. Uh, Rip over there has been wonderful to us. Uh, first show sponsor that we ever got. They really took a shot on us. We're doing some shirts that are coming out soon. You guys are going to dig. Uh, they got it going on, man. They're a great place to play. They give you 10% of the bar, I believe, maybe 15 and uh, you book it on a good night, you pull a great crowd, you'll make money. It's great. So, yeah, everybody check out Clark's, uh, Clark Collective online. I believe the website is www.clarkscollective.com. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it'll be in the bottom of this uh, episode, so check it there. All right, so covers versus originals. This has been weighing on me a lot as somebody who has very frequently lashed out against going straight all originals to start with. 
in hindsight, I was probably a little too tough on it. And I learned, kind of learned my lesson in the way of we're at the point to where we can't just keep playing covers. My band personally, Jameson Tank, we've had some, we've done both pretty well, which I think is a great strategy for anybody interested. Uh, know enough songs to do the cover gigs make fans at those and then the next time play originals has kind of been my strategy per se that being said we've done georgia theater almost all originals we do cobra all originals like we do ticketed venues all around the place all original uh with a few covers sprinkled in but i think um my realization coming into this tour maybe towards the end of last tour was that covers is never going to take me where i want to be completely um and what I mean by that is like as somebody who's trying to do this living, trying to do arenas one day, trying to sell stuff out, trying to go ticketed, like you eventually have to stop being a cover band. And it's easy to stay a cover band because the payments that started higher and the exposure is higher. Like you can get in front of bigger crowds easier. Like I don't know anybody that can um, just come out of the gate and their first couple shows, you know, excuse me, be in front of 500 people because they're originals. That's extremely rare. You know what I mean? Some people pull it off. Um, I always was under the mindset that if we could just hook them on the covers and our show, because our show is more important than our originals at start, then they would eventually become fans of us, and no matter what we put out, they'd be fans of that. And I still think that's a great strategy. For anybody playing covers, keep it up. Uh, but know that eventually you're going to have to change, and we're now in the process of changing to where I was frequently uh, just being a weenie about playing originals at places because like, we were playing a lot of places that are super cover-esque and like they're not trying to hear that stuff. And I still believe that kind of stuff. Like there's a certain style venue for where you can do all originals. There's a certain style venue where you do all covers, you know. And knowing the difference is important also for your pitch on like hitting up venues. Like if you hit them up and be like, yo, we can play an hour original set that'll just blow you guys away and it's a three-hour cover venue, they're not even going to email you back, you know. So know the difference. Know when to put it in your email. Know what you're trying to do long-term. I think it's interesting. It's such an interesting topic to me because me, my band, Jameson Tang, I know I've said that about a hundred times, like we've done a great job of doing both. And I think if you can do both, that is a really great way to remain profitable while also building your brand and your actual, you know, fancy music. But at a certain point, we're to the point where we're going to stop doing the cover things in the next, you know, two years, I hope. And go all ticketed, go all original. Like certain bands that I look up to, like Hotel Fiction, like the Stews are two that I really watch. And um, if you watch the Stews, they they came on the show on like episode 60 or something. And they were telling me about how just from day one, they they did minimal amount of covers. They just came out with their originals. Like, hey, this is it, you know. And there's a certain energy on that too. Is like, hey, this is our originals. Like, this is what you're getting. Like, book us for that or whatever. And they've absolutely just been killing it, selling out venues in Boston, New York, like all over the place, just murdering it. They built a demand for their tunes. They play them so well. Their performance is great. I honestly wonder, they're the band I look up to right now in the sense of, I look back, I look at what they've done and wonder if I should have taken their path a little differently. But at the same time, like I, I think I took the right path. But but I'm transitioning to a Stu's-esque, Hotel Fiction-esque past, path, which is just just make great originals. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Make great originals, be proud to play them, that kind of stuff. Because I, I just realized is that, like, we played in front of nine hundred people at Blue Room, and, you know, you got 50 new followers after, but, like, how many of them actually fuck with us if we stop playing covers? You know what I mean? There, There's a difference. There's a, there's a big difference. And realizing that was kind of depressing, but kind of huge, you know? Like, 
any band can go into a crowd in front of 900 people and play a popular cover and just rock it. You know what I mean? Like they can just demolish, you know, but you can, you get your songs like that. That's something different. You know, that's, that's career. That's longevity. I don't want to be uh 33 playing cover venues, clean cover sets, you know? So I'll let you know, guys know how that go. That's another thing that came to mind is, is trying to find a good middle on that. I really didn't get as many bills as I want for this tour. Uh, but I mean, this is like realizing all this stuff that I'm telling you as I'm saying it is huge. And I hope you guys are getting some value from it. Another thing that I wanted to note, another thing I was frequently against was show swapping. Um, I wasn't against it. I just didn't like the idea of like, if I could have three Athens bands play a bill and it sells 200 more tickets, I always thought that was worth it as opposed to having two Athens bands and one Nashville band or two Athens bands and one Greenville, South Carolina band sell 200 less tickets, but maybe the Greenville band will trade with you, you know? Um, I never liked that, but now the like kind of off the stews thing, I see their schedule and they've got us for Blue Room, which is hype. Uh, got tickets to that for sale if anybody wants them in Statesboro. Um, like they have a, an opener for every show now because it makes it more of a bill and it like that makes a network. I think the building the band network was bigger than I originally imagined uh, after doing a headlining tour of like just us headlining cover venues and not needing any bands. Um, I think it's big. I think it's important and it makes it more show-esque when you have an opener. It builds a bigger network. Uh, those bands will trade with you. Those bands will get on different shows. When you have two bands that can sell tickets, that's huge. And I think uh, I think it shows. I think that was a big realization for me is that show swapping uh, could be great for the network. And building that network will never happen if you're always playing alone. So my goal for this tour was to kind of um, book more original venues, book more bills, you know. And I didn't really succeed at that. Uh, I still a lot of like cover-esque gigs and fraternity gigs, but our rate is probably crippled, you know. We're making twice as much money. We've got more money and guarantees on this tour than we had, than we made on our first tour. Uh, and yes, so what I'm saying is uh, just figure out where you want to be. Look up to bands above you. I look up to Stu's. Those are my homies. Um, they're the ones that I've got my eye on right now going. They're doing exactly what I want to do, which they've built a fan base. They built demand, and they have built drive for their originals. They make great fucking songs, and therefore it's paying off for them and selling tickets in every market they go to. So yeah, just kind of think about where you want to be and don't look up to the wrong bands. I was actually looking up to a band that I just recently realized is pretty deep in their career and like still playing the kind of shows I would not want to be playing when I'm deep in my career, if that makes sense. So realizing that is huge. Make sure you're looking up to the right people. Uh, I hope you guys got some value from this. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a good time making it. I can't believe I went 38 minutes literally just talking to myself. That's why these solo podcasts are so weird. Like It's like literally you're just ranting your thoughts but it's fun i hope you guys all enjoyed it uh if you have any questions let me know in the comments um i'd like to thank my show sponsors one more time shout out to clark's collective wonderful bar downtown athens georgia beautiful little place they're working on a dope back patio thing that's gonna have like a hedge theme they got a new hedge wall on the stage place is sick if you guys want to get booked by them dm me i'll send you rip's number and he'll get you in there for sure i also want to thank no athens brand new platform out of right here in athens georgia they're making some amazing content they're making this funny band content they have a gnome uh theme where they walk in real low with the camera i love that they are just one of my favorite one of my favorite platforms in town and um I love what they do and I love how they're putting bands on. It's very similar to the podcast in a way of like they're collecting bands and like doing promo videos with them all. So yeah, shout out No Athens. And also Clear Mountain Entertainment. 
Classic City Jam right here in Athens, Georgia, August 27th. The band lineup is crazy. Let me look it back up. I want to make sure I get them all in here. Um, here we go. Hold on. Okay, Wim Tapley, The Angelics, Florida Man, Red Mile Road, A.D. Blanco, Convince the Kid. All of my favorite bands in town are playing August 27th, $10. Hit up Clear Mountain Entertainment if you need some help booking. I think they do it for a pretty reasonable rate. And, yeah, thank you guys for watching. Uh, subscribe to the show if you don't mind. I really appreciate that. I really appreciate y'all listening in 40 minutes. Let me know if you got some value from this, man. I never know if these hit home or not. Um, make sure you watch the other How I Booked My First Tour. I think that'd be a good watch for a lot of you. And often I like to end this with, like, take all this with a grain of salt. I'm still learning. I have not at all done what I need to do in the sense of, like, I'm nowhere close to where I want to be. So um, this is just a video from a guy learning how to tour, man. So, yeah. Love you guys. Thanks for watching. Javis on the Rocks, out. Out.